this Friday. Your favorite emotions are back on the big screen in Disney and Pixar's Inside Out 2. It's time to greet your Team Riley. It's anger. Let me at him. Fear. Safety checklist is complete. Disgust. Ew, ew. Ugh. Sadness is in the house. Oh, no. Hello, I'm anxiety. I'm one of Riley's new emotions. Disney and Pixar's Inside Out 2. There's a part two? We're going. Ready PG. Parental guidance suggested. Only theaters Friday. Get tickets now. We took it all. We brought them to our land. An endless night. Ember hot and icy cold. The rage of the earth. We made this curse. Carved it in the blood on our backs. We did not see. We could not, but she did. And in the end... What will I become? Senwa Saga. Hellblade 2. Play it now with Game Pass. Hello, I'm Katie Piper, and welcome to my podcast, Katie Piper's Extraordinary People. Each episode, I'll meet an amazing person with an incredible story who faced adversity and came through the other side to inspire others. Today, I'm talking to Johnny Benjamin, MBE, a mental health campaigner, author, and blogger. He talks with incredible honesty and insight about how he experienced mental health issues from the age of three. He also discusses coming out to his religious parents and how in 2014 he led a social media campaign to find the man who saved his life on Waterloo Bridge during one of his worst bouts of depression. Hello. Hiya. Hi. (laughs) It is great to finally be sat opposite you. One of the reasons I really admire you is your sort of tirelessly working uh, to help young people in a subject area that really interests me and, and fascinates me, and that, that's mental health, which I suppose some people wrongly think only affects some people, but it affects all of us. Oh, oh yeah. I mean, I think some people forget that we've all got mental health. Mm-hmm. We've all got mental health, just as we've all got physical health. And, you know, it's on a spectrum. So just like physical health, some days you, you are feeling maybe upbeat and you can take on the world physically. And then some days you feel physically drained and tired. And it's the same with mental health. It's a, it's a spectrum. And, you know, some, some days for people are good. Some, some days are not so good emotionally. And that, that's OK. Yeah. Um, I don't know why we separate, actually, mental health and physical health. Because, you know, it's the brain. It's the brain. Uh-huh. And the brain's an organ, just like the heart or, or the liver or the lungs. And... We're all joined up. The brain is connected to all of these things. So I just, yeah, I don't really understand why we why we separate it. But that's that's the way it is. And you are very well placed as an expert to talk about this because you have a very real personal journey mm. um, that started very young. Is that right? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, for me, my, my mental health issues, I guess, started, well, actually when I was about three or four years old. Really? really How young, can you yeah. pinpoint that then? How do you know that? So... Um, when I was that age, I started to see things that weren't there. So hallucinations. Um, hallucinations. Right. And um, my behaviour changed around that time. I became I became a lot more anxious and I, I actually became quite violent as well. Right. And, you know, I, I stopped sleeping because right. I was too scared of the night time and, 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 and I'd see things. And that's when it became, yeah, difficult to, to 
manage and I needed I needed some help and mm. um and my parents they 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 took me to the doctors and and eventually I was referred on to a, a child psychologist at that yeah. age so that was what three four years old I, I, when I saw the psychologist it would have been about four years old now she kind of she got me back into like a sleeping routine and, right. and, and I became less afraid and um did you I, understand what was no. going on it's too young isn't it no. to really understand looking back now <laughs> I, I I connect it actually to um so when I was that age, uh, I watched um, the BFG. You know, you know, yeah. Roald Dahl's the BFG. I used there was, to love that. Yeah. So that that's what I saw, and then I started to see what I thought was the BFG. Right. Um, so I link it to that that kind of that film that I watched, and okay. my imagination has always been very like overactive. But I, I didn't understand that at the time. I was scared. I was scared. I was I was I was confused. Um, you know. Then I started primary school, and and. I always just struggled to sort of fit in at school. Yeah. Um, I, I found it difficult to make friends and be on their level. Do you so know you what felt I mean? kind of isolated, do you think? Yeah. I mean, I had I had friends, but yeah. I just, you know, I would always be in the library every every lunchtime and while my friends were playing outside. And I didn't understand what the concept was of mental yeah. health. You know I mean, or even bullying in like, mm. if you felt isolated and you're in the library, people probably just thought, great, you're studious mm. and you're just mm, yeah. shy. Yeah. You know. Oh yeah. And that's the comments that I always got like in parents evening and on my reports, like he's very shy. He doesn't put his hand up ever. Yeah. He needs to talk more. He needs to be more confident. Um, I always had low self-esteem and I was always, my mum actually, she, um, she put me into, um, they didn't know what to do with me because I wasn't into sport or I didn't yeah. have hobbies. So she's enrolled me in this um, drama group. Well, eventually I started to love it because I I could be other characters. Do you know what I mean? And okay. when I started to play other characters, um, I, I could be someone else and I could be confident because I wasn't myself. And that so that sense. worked for you, that escapism? Yeah, escapism yeah. for sure. I wasn't like a, a, a typical teenager, you know, I was... Yeah. Um, Particularly when in my mid-teens and the depression sort of hit in my mid-teens, that was so. That was once you left school. Was that kind of sixth form? Age? Well, it was even yeah in sixth form. That's when it really sort of hit. And um, again, acting acting was my only really escape from it. To be yeah. honest, um, did you know you were depressed? Did you even understand that, or, or you just kind of felt numb? I, had, I just had. I was confused. I was confused yeah. because in my head. You know, I, I come from I come from this really good family. I was doing really well in my GCSEs, and so when I started to get these kind of these low moods that I just couldn't get out of, and started to get emotional, I was just like, I, I just I just couldn't work it out. What was what was going on? I was just like, this this doesn't make sense. You know, I should be. I should, I should be happy, you know, I should be... Because logic always makes people search for a cause or a reason mm, mm, and, and mm. sometimes mental health doesn't work like that. No, it you doesn't, know, does it? It's not, this happened, no. so that's why I'm no. depressed, you but, know. But no one explains that to you, that's the thing. When I was in school, um, the only sort of mental health education we got was they showed us the film uh, One Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest. Oh, yeah, yeah. And that is uh, frightening. That's That film is frightening. And that stopped me from talking because I saw that film and I was like... People don't get better from yeah. mental health issues. That's what I thought. People are, are crazy. That's what I thought yeah. back then. And they get locked up. And when stuff started going on in my head, I didn't want to talk about it because I thought I would be end up in a place like that. So that's I, so frightening for you. It, yeah, it was. And I had I felt I had no choice but to keep it to myself. Um, the thought of of communicating what was going on um, to my family, to my friends, just seemed impossible. It's sad, but it's quite amazing what you can hide, I, uh-huh. I find, as, as, as well, human beings. I mean, I was able to hide, you know, it, especially when I went to university and I started self-harming and uh-huh. misusing alcohol and um, becoming increasingly suicidal. I mean, 
yeah, it's amazing how you can cover that up, really. Um, sad, sad how you can cover it up. Was there like a, a, a turning point or a catalyst that made it get this this severity or it just slowly spiraled? It was it was a slow spiral. Um, I mean, I did I did actually ask for help when I was 17. It was my best friend at the time, actually. He saw things weren't right and right. he pushed me to go to the doctors. And I did and I was referred on to CAMS, to yeah. the Child and Adolescent Mental Health Service. But... I didn't have a great time with them. There was a massive long waiting list, right, as, okay. as there are yeah. today, unfortunately, these, these massive long waiting lists. And I gave up waiting. And I said to myself, I said, you know what, I'm going to move. I'm from London originally. I'm going to yeah. move from London and I'm going to go to university, to Manchester. Yeah. And I'll leave all my problems behind. <laughs> that sounds so great in theory, but they're inside I you. Know, but, <laughs> yeah. you. But for me, I was like, no, I'm going to be a, a new human being when I get yeah. to university. I'm going to have a fresh start. It's all going to change. It's, it's all going to get better. So you were really willing yourself. You oh, know, yeah. you were really trying so mm. hard to be this positive person, but it just... Yeah, but university, it made it harder because... Um, uh, there was just there was new challenges, new, new people to meet, new sort more of isolation. pressures, more isolation. Yeah. Absolutely, uh, I found yeah, and you know, drink was more readily available, and and I was able to hide more. I'd I'd hide. I didn't want to be around people. I felt like a um, kind of a drain on on on, right. on on people, and I it was hard to keep covering up with the mask. You know, there's only uh -huh. so much I think that you can keep on this sort of mask this this fake smile there's only so much you sometimes can do. it's worse don't you think because yeah. you're suppressing natural exactly. emotion exactly did you know inside like i'm really depressed did you know that or were you in denial um i think i was in i was in denial because i you know i kept on saying to myself it will pass it's just it's gonna pass it's gonna pass this is just gonna pass and obviously it doesn't just work like that but i really was convinced that um i just wake up one day and you know Somehow it would just sort itself out. Um, well, I think that's what everyone who's been in a dark place prays, don't yeah, they? they? You, do, I you don't want to be there, and you pray no. that it will pass. Yeah, you do. For, for me as well, you know, I, I it was it was the depression, but also there was other stuff going on. You know, I was um, I started hearing a voice, right? Um, okay, and this voice was was telling me to do things but it was this this voice that was challenging me and telling me if I didn't do it then I would be punished you know someone I loved would get hurt or I'd, I'd get hurt and so, so scary it was because yeah. and a lot of it I link I link this to religion I, I grew up in a Jewish uh, family and I was really influenced by my religion right, growing okay. up and in my mid-teens I started to struggle with my sexuality uh -huh. um and obviously being gay is a, is a sin in, right. in the Jewish religion. And I had so much sort of guilt and shame. And I think I think there was a link between that and, and that and inner this, conflict. Yeah. yeah. And, 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 and the voice, which I thought was kind of the devil that was, that was telling me to do things, punishing me essentially yeah. because of me being gay and having to suppress it. And with that, I just thought, well, my whole life is going to have to be a lie because I'll never be able yeah. to come out to, you know, my, my family religious. I can't, I can't, I can never come out to them. And I'm just going to have to live this... This complete life for the rest like of my a facade, life. Yeah. yeah, and that eventually, you know, I had this this breakdown, and it was inevitable. When I look back, it was inevitable. Um, I was twenty at the time, and I was in my third year right. of university, and um, I was really, I was really depressed. I was this voice was telling me to do these things. Yeah. I was, I was delusional. I, I believed there were cameras watching me. Yeah, um, I just broke. It, it just all got to a point where, um, yeah, my mind, I guess, broke. My of mind course, broke yeah. and it couldn't carry on with the, the, the paranoia and the depression and the, uh -huh. the voice taunting just me. Just like the physical body would, had exactly. you been under that exactly. amount of strain physically, yeah. it's the exact same You're kind of science. Right. You know? Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Um, 
and I I became psychotic in my in my in my first term of my last year. I was on the streets. I was screaming, shouting. Yeah. And then a few weeks after that, I was admitted to a psychiatric hospital. Initially, I think I was so embarrassed. I was really embarrassed. My parents had found out now what was going on. They'd had to obviously, you know, I was in hospital. They obviously yeah. found out. And I what was, was the diagnosis? So, so my diagnosis was schizoaffective disorder, okay. which right. is like this combination of schizophrenia and, and right. bipolar. And um, for me, when I got that diagnosis, uh, it just felt like my whole world sort of came crashing down. I really thought that was it. You know, I'd, I'd, I'd had to drop out of university. I, I just thought... <laughs> How the hell do I, you know, recover from 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 this? It just seemed impossible, and I was put into this hospital, and I, I wouldn't talk. I, d- I didn't know how to talk. I really just wanted to kind of shut down for a, a, a long time and just not not engage with 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 because I, I just couldn't do, I just couldn't handle it. My as I yeah. said, I believed my whole life was was over. All the the things that I wanted to do in life, my you know, have family and and and, and a career. I just. It just seemed impossible now. Yeah, I, I was in hospital and they were saying, "Well, we don't know what's going to happen to you." And um, how do they try and treat you then? What's their treatment plan? Medication, right. um, and we had yeah medication. There was group therapy. Uh-huh. Um, it was heartbreaking. It was heartbreaking when I look back. Uh-huh. I just uh, no, I just couldn't cope. I just couldn't 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 cope with the the not just the diagnosis, but having to tell people. Yeah. I found that really really tough not only that i was in this hospital but that i had this diagnosis which most people hadn't heard of or didn't understand and um and then having to obviously you know people in the hospital my site my psychiatrist the nurses were starting to push me about my sexuality right okay. um but again i couldn't deal with just as i couldn't deal with my mental health and accept it, i couldn't deal with my sexuality and accept that so um i mean i spent um it was a month that I had in the hospital before I actually decided to run away from it. How do you run away from a secure unit? <laughs> well, I, again, and I'm not, you know, I'm not proud of this, to be honest. Again, I was so good at putting on a mask. Uh-huh. Um, so with my psychiatrist, even, I'd, I'd, you know, he'd come round and he'd say, uh, you know, how are you doing? And I'm like, yeah, I'm fine. I'm fine. I'm getting better. Um, I was so good at putting on a mask. And so anyway, there was this it was this one day it was january 2008 now and um see i I planned everything the night before i planned to run away the night before right i didn't want to live to be honest at this point i was suicidal i was suicidal and and i i when i was in hospital you know i was i was suicidal quite severely on a number of different occasions and i would try and talk to people about that and they would say to me right well you know you we need to up your meds straight away you need to go back to the suicide ward and, yeah because alarm bells would be mm, ringing for mm. the professionals oh gosh yeah responsibility. oh yeah oh massively yeah but when I, I kept being put back in the suicide ward and the suicide ward is uh you know they watch you 24 7 and of course, you know yeah. they don't sometimes they don't even talk they just sit and they just watch um and you know for someone that's paranoid already Yes, bit of irony there. Yeah, I know. I, yeah. I and I just could, I, I I couldn't bear to go back to the suicide ward. And so when I when I in my mind when I when I had that kind of um, uh, direction of of suicide when it, that night yeah. before when I was like right well this is the only this is the only way out of of of, of what I'm going through. There was I, I was like no I'm not going to tell I can't tell anyone anymore because. Um, I'm going to end up just back in the suicide ward and I just can't. And they'll just block you. Yeah, and I yeah. just couldn't. So I, I I made the decision to run away. The morning, actually, it was the morning of the 14th of January 2008 and um, 
I uh, I said I needed a cigarette from from the, from the nurse that was right. on duty, um, and she let me out for for a cigarette, and I just legged it. As I said, I planned it the night before. I knew where I was going. I want I wanted to go to this bridge. Um, and you had no belongings on you, right? No. Do you know what? Uh, I I <laughs> I'd kept a diary for many years. And um, I ripped out a number of pages of of my diary. The the ones, the pages in the diary that I spoke about my my my, se- my sexuality, my feelings for men. I ripped yeah. them all out of my diary. I made sure on the way to this bridge, I <laughs> I took my hoodie off and I wrapped them in my hoodie and I put them in a bin. Um, and yeah, I was just like, and then you know, no, now no one will know. And and yeah, and then I went, I went, I went to this bridge. Which and, bridge? Um, it was Waterloo Bridge in, in London. Yeah, I'm um, sure many people listening know that bridge and walk, yeah. walked over that bridge. Yeah. Um, and he was 20 years old? Yeah, I was 20 years old. Right. Um, and, uh, yeah, I um, I went onto the edge. You know, I climbed over onto the edge. Uh, I'd had enough. I'd had enough. I, I, there was no, I didn't see any other way out in my yeah. head. And if I'm honest and... I hate I hate saying this, but I thought, you know, it was the best thing for my parents and I my get family. It. I totally get it. Because, you know, you don't want to feel like a burden on them anymore. Yeah. Um, and some people who don't understand will say, oh, suicide is selfish. But when you feel suicidal, yeah, yeah. it's actually sometimes about right. trying to relieve the other people exactly, around you. Exactly, exactly. It really is. And, and, and honestly the whole way up to to the bridge my my family my parents were in my head and i was kind of well i was i was praying i was praying and i was saying you know please please look after them please please yeah um you know protect them please take some of the pain away um but you're thinking of them even in those moments that's yeah. the thing and that's yeah this is it and people don't people people don't understand yeah people people don't understand that um what time of it was the evening. What time? No, was no, it? it was it was it was it was morning when I when I went to the bridge. It was morning. Right. Um, must have been about ten ten thirty, right. I think, when I was on the bridge. So it wasn't it wasn't packed because it was after the, the rush hour, um, and I was in my own world. If I'm honest, I was just I was in a bubble. Uh-huh. You know, I just uh, it's kind of like almost trance like, if that makes sense. So yeah. I I. I <laughs> Yeah, I was just set on 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 this point on the bridge, and I wasn't focusing on what was going on. Yeah. You know, I was just there, um, kind of, you know, trying to get the, the, the will to 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 jump and take my feet off the edge, which was uh, I was I was I was struggling with. If I'm honest, I yeah, yeah. I found it difficult. Of course, of course. Um, and then suddenly, then there was this 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 stranger that that was next to me on my on my right hand side. Just this guy's voice. He he was there, and this guy's voice started started talking to me. And it, it you know, immediately I, I kind of it burst my bubble. He said uh, he said uh, he said hi, mate. Why are you sitting on a bridge? Uh, which uh, <laughs> one guess? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, no, he he talks about that now, and he says that was his worst chat up line. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> um, he didn't, but to be honest, I mean, I he didn't know what to say. Of course, he didn't. He, no. You know, he was just a general guy, and he didn't know how to. And yeah, I was, uh, and I hate saying this again. I was quite rude to him because. Um, but of course, I I wouldn't expect anything else. Like it's a heightened situation. Yeah. If you had rational thought process, you wouldn't have been on that bridge. 
No. So you're not going to rationally respond with something Britishly polite, are you? No, it's true. I know it's true. It's true, but you just feel, yeah, you feel bad. I feel bad. When what did you bad. say? Fuck off. Yeah, oh, I didn't know I could swear. <laughs> uh, oh, I don't know if we can. <laughs> Let's hold this one to 10 p.m. Yeah, I don't know. Well, buzz off. Did you say buzz off? <laughs> yeah, something like that. Something like that. Yeah, um, which of course you would say. Well, yeah, I just, you know, I, 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 it took a lot. It took a lot to get me to this point. Do you know what yeah, I mean? And then yeah. there was this guy who was interrupting me, and you know, um, I knew by what he was going to do. You know, try and talk me. You know, it's obvious he was going to try and talk me off the edge or something. Yeah. And I was just like, no, like I don't want to hear. I don't want to hear what you've got to say. I don't want to talk to you. Um, what did he look like? So he was. Uh, so I was twenty at the time, and he he looked kind of yeah, a few years older than me, like mid mid twenties. Yeah, he was a you know big a, a broad guy, muscly kind yeah. of um, yeah, kind of fit looking. And yeah. um, I think actually, you know, looking back, you know, him being a young another young guy, I don't know, it just seemed more relatable. To, yeah, 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 yeah. There was something about him, but what it was about him really that got me was his. Um, just his ability to remain calm. He was just calm and, and grounded. And yeah. he had this, he wasn't phased, you know what I mean? Like he he just was really... Because this is, this is London, right? It's not really a place, I mean, I don't want to sound down on the city, no, but it's not no. like a rural village where no, they'd know. be like, oh, that's Johnny. We, yeah, his, we know his I dad, know, you know. Yeah, no, absolutely. And and I think he took a, well, it must have taken so much courage to... to to come and talk to me and also to stay with me, I think, you know. We talked for about half an hour. Oh, it was um, ages. Oh, my yeah. goodness. But the thing is, um, it was is it was the way that he, he, he listened. Um, he asked me lots of questions. And he, try, he kept trying to sort of change the subject, like, where did you grow up and, and, and where did you go to school? And the thing was, and, and I remember, like, he said to me that he grew up in, in, in Watford. Oh, right, okay. Which is, yeah, just north of London. And yeah. I don't know, I, I was born in Watford. I was actually born in Watford. This, that's so random. Right, exactly. Yeah. And we had a little sort of connection. And I don't know, again, there's something about that. I, I, when I was in the hospital, you know, I'd been in the hospital for a month. And yeah. I, didn't, I didn't have a connection with anyone. Uh-huh. Um, I mean, as I said, when I, whenever I said that I was suicidal... There would be such a quick reaction. People, people didn't have time to to listen. Do you know what I mean? And I'm not trying to criticise. I, I don't want to try. And... No, but no one wants you to kill yourself on their watch. No. So suddenly there's panic of like, whatever you do, don't let this happen. No, but and, and a frenzy, isn't it? Almost? It is, and I just wish you know people. And I know it's hard, but people would just take maybe a, a bit of time to really listen to why that person feels suicidal and what what's going on for them instead of just the medication and just the, the suicide ward and just leave them there, yeah. you know. You touched on your religion uh, being Jewish. Do you believe in the fate or do you think yeah. it was an act of God? I like... know, oh, I think there was... It was meant to be. It was yeah. meant to be, you know. And For sure. I think it was two 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 things that he said that, that really kind of got to me. And the first thing was um, he said, don't be embarrassed. Right. And I hadn't heard anyone say that before. And it was like... I, I know I keep I've 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 kept on talking about embarrassment and shame, but yeah, that was the thing. That was the thing that literally that 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 drove me to 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 the edge, literally. Yeah, um, and just for someone to be so, I guess, you know, kind and and, uh-huh. and compassionate and say, you know, don't don't be embarrassed. It just oh, that was really powerful. I think to hear someone say that and to hear him say that, don't be embarrassed. Because um, it took away, it took away some of the shame and the, yeah. the, the embarrassment um, that I was feeling. And if he was okay with it, then I 
Do you know what I mean? I yeah. I suddenly felt more okay with it. So when he said that, you you stood up and you and you came off the bridge. Well, there was one more thing he said, and I, to be honest, the the th- I remember the thing that really got to me. He said to me, in a very just a kind of really casual way, he just said to me, he said, "You'll get better. You know, you'll be all right." And no one had said that to me before. No one had given you that hope, no. that lifeline. No, because in yeah. the hospital they weren't they weren't sure they weren't sure how I was gonna, you know, I was I was really unwell, and they weren't sure how I was gonna get on with the treatment and the medication and if I get better but yeah this guy had this conviction that I would be all right and I would get better and he believed in you yeah we took it all we brought them to our land an endless night ember hot and icy cold the rage of the earth we made this curse carved it in the blood on our backs we did not see. We could not, but she did. And in the end, what will I become? Senwa Saga, Hellblade 2. Play it now with Game Pass. I had an experience once with somebody who wanted to, um, like, role play, uh-huh. like, um, like with relative stuff. No. Yes. No. That's a and hard I couldn't. Pass. And I said, I said, um, they no. wanted. They first said, da- like, dad, daddy, oh, and, and, and I said, um, well, that's not so bad. But um. So I suggested maybe, like, I said maybe the most I could do is uncle. (laughs) Okay, so that was just a snippet of an episode with actor and podcaster Justin Long. I'm Jesse Tyler Ferguson, and I'm telling you, you need to listen to the full episode on my podcast, Dinner's on Me. Over a meal at Pine and Crane in downtown L.A., we get into his love story with Kate Bosworth, his career, and so much more. To listen, just search Dinner's on Me wherever you listen to podcasts. So how, I mean, like sat here present day, you have turned your life around and you have genuinely been at rock bottom. When you left that bridge, I guess filled with, not, I'm not going to like dress it up to say full of hope mm. because you're still, you're still mentally unwell. How have you turned your life around from standing up off that bridge to now? <sighs> it, it took a long time. Did you go back to hospital that yeah, night? Yeah, I did. I yeah. went back to hospital. But I was, I, I, I was sort of a bit, I wasn't, I was a, I had a little bit of hope. I think, I, I, you know, I think we underestimate what hope does. Yeah, and yeah. I, and I think the hope that we can give to other people. Uh huh. You know, I mean, last time that I got ill was last year, and I had a relapse. And the first thing that my psychiatrist said to me when I ended up back in hospital, she came into my room and she was like, she had a smile on her face, and she uh-huh. was like, "We're going to get you better." But for me, yeah, the the thing that I think the big thing that that, that turned my life around was the first few years were after after I was diagnosed with horrendous I I didn't talk I didn't I didn't want treatment I, I this is after the bridge after the after bridge the yeah bridge, I just I was in denial I was in denial I thought I just couldn't I just couldn't accept again not just my mental illness but my sexuality uh-huh. and then it was in my mid-20s when I finally finally started started talking and I when I was in hospital the, the, the first time I was in hospital there was a nurse that used to come and sit with me every single day this amazing nurse, and she'd come with, and sit with me, and she'd say, "Oh, do you know my son has just come out as gay?" Oh, this is and, a, a subtle, like, yeah. yeah, this is quite cute. And 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 I didn't understand why she was coming to sit with me every single yeah. day and tell me the same old story about her son coming out. I didn't understand it. Yeah, and she was so proud, and I was like, "Why are you telling me this every day?" Yeah. And it was later that I realised that you know she was tr- she was ugh, she was trying to help me to come out, and she did. Of course, help. yeah. And I'm, I'm, I'm eternally, eternally grateful for that. Um, and eventually, my it was my psychiatrist that kind of 
really brought it out of me. And yeah. I finally, you know, when I finally said the words, I'm gay. Did you literally sit your parents down face to face and say? Yeah. Uh, yeah, I did. Um, and that was so hard. It was. Do you know what? For me, and I don't know why, but for me, coming out as gay was harder than coming out about my mental health. I get that because there's, yeah, I do. Because if you've been brought up to believe that that, that makes you wrong and that, that makes you a sinner, you're facing rejection, you're, you're facing yeah. being banished. It's frightening. Yeah, no, yeah. you're right. You're right. Yeah, absolutely. You're right. You're I right. have friends that won't come out and they're waiting for their parents to die. You know, it's like, it's a deep thing <sighs> See, for that's some what people. I, that's what I was going to do. And my psychiatrist yeah. said to me, he said, you can't, you're going to, if you want to get better, then you have to tell your parents. Yeah. And, and I finally agreed, and oh, I can't tell you the, I can't, you know, the weight that came away from my shoulders. I can literally. What did they say? Did they just look at you? My mum was shocked. <laughs> so it wasn't a like we know. No, no she was shocked. Okay. She was shocked. Um, my dad, do you know when I told my dad? Because I actually told them separately. When I told my dad, I, I, I covered my face. I put my hands in front of my face because it was my dad, and you know. Yeah, yeah. I, my my. my role model my sort of my hero and I felt I was going to let him down and uh-huh. um, he he said to me you know take your hands away from your face um, and you know don't don't be embarrassed and so they it, didn't reject you following no, that admission they didn't and they've been amazing and I'm so lucky and everyone you know I, this is what makes me so sad is that you know to all those all those years where I spent thinking, oh, everyone's going to reject me, no one's going to accept me, all that, all that, that turmoil, you know what I mean? And, the, and what gets me is that people go through that now, you know, particularly young people, you know, oh, I can't ever come out, whether it's about mental health or sexuality, because I'm yeah. not, and they, and when they are accepted, and you know, I know not everyone's accepted, of course, but um, just well, that turmoil, that turmoil of worrying what everyone else is going to think about you, it, it just eats you up. And... Well, that's what I wanted to ask you. I wondered, like, we, we do talk about mental health more and a lot with women. Do you think this is a wider societal issue with men, that, mm. that it doesn't feel okay yet to do that and that you're a bloke, like, you <laughs> yeah. know, just get on with it, yeah. be strong and, you yeah, know, well, like... Yeah, you know, there's still this man up thing and we, yeah. you know, we, we talk to young boys and we say, you know, big boys don't cry. Yeah. And I... I worry about yeah what that does to 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 boys. Um, yeah, I, I I we need to change that language. I think, and we need to say it's okay. It's you know, I go into primary schools now, and you know, I don't I don't need to go in and talk about Everything. my mental health and yeah. schizoaffective disorder and suicide. But I can talk to them about you know, it's okay to have your thoughts and your feelings. It's okay, whatever whatever's going on. It's okay to talk about it. Yeah. I think that's such an important message to get to young people. It's okay to have those feelings of of, of jealousy and anger and, 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 don't and sadness them. don't yeah. repress them and talk about them talk about them you know make, and I think if we can get that to a young audience it can make such a big difference I think this is one of the reasons I really admire you because after all that went on um and that one of the key emotions attached to it all was this shame and embarrassment you went viral with a mm. massive campaign. I mean, it, was it called Find Mike? Yeah, Find yeah? Mike, Find Mike, yeah. So you named the, you didn't know the name of the guy <laughs> on the bridge. No, I wasn't right? sure because it was, you know, it was, it was, a, it was a hazy memory at that point because I'd, I'd blocked it out, I think, yeah, to be honest. Yeah, quite surreal, I guess. Yeah, yeah. I, yeah. And, 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 and so I, I launched this campaign, Find Mike, um, with the charity Rethink Mental Illness. And was it, did someone suggest you do it? Yeah, was it, yeah they, they said, you know, the thing that happened on the bridge, have you ever thought of trying to find that guy and thank him for what he did? And How many years on was this? This was six years now. Oh, that's interesting. So, okay. And I had to be in a good place, you know what I mean? I couldn't. Defo, yeah. And I was. I was finally starting to talk and accept and... 
you know, and that, and I was, in, I was, in, I was in a stronger plate. I felt stronger. Do you know yeah. what I mean? Why, Mike? Did you think he looked like a Mike? Uh, yeah, I don't know what it is about the name. Mike. Well, my dad's actually called Michael. Okay. So that maybe it's something. I don't know. I just. That, yeah. I, do you know what I mean? It's just in my head. It's um, a warm, friendly name. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I don't know. Yeah. I, I, I just had Mike. It was Mike. Yeah. And then uh, they said, "Why don't we launch a social media campaign to try, yeah. and, try and find him?" And, and this is the positive power of social, isn't it? it yes. Yeah. It, is. it really is. I mean. It was it was it was the the, the comments and and the, and the letters. I mean, we had people contacting us from 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 Canada and Australia. And no way, Italy. So it was know. international. It was amazing. Yeah. It was just it was really surreal to be honest. What when, did you put out there? Just a, a small synopsis of what had yeah, happened. Yeah, yeah, just a kind of like a little advert, and and I put it out, and it just went. And here you are putting out the biggest secret you carried yeah. all your life. The the one thing you told yourself was shameful, and the one thing that's kind of haunted you all, and dominated your adult yeah. life. And and you put it out there to the world on Facebook, on everywhere. Like that's so admirable. Thank you. I just felt I had to do something because I think it was when I learned when I when I started to you know get involved in mental health and wanted to yeah. make a difference. And then, if I'm honest, I started to learn about the statistics, and particularly the statistics around suicide. Shocking, isn't it? Yeah, I mean, when when someone sat me down and said to me, "Do you know suicide is the biggest killer of men under 45 in this country?" I just couldn't believe, it. and I and, and I wanted to do anything, anything to. And I met when I met families that had been bereaved by suicide. I mean, it just. Every time I meet, it just drives you on to. Do, you have to do more. You have to. You have to do more to. So this is what pushed you. Yeah. To, and, and so, how long did it take for you to finally get find Mike? <laughs> well, the most unbelievable thing was so we put we put the advert out. It was actually six years to the day that we first met, cool. and and we launched it. And I mean, okay, so the, in the next few days, we had thirty eight people come forward saying, "I think it might have been me." Oh really? So as in, and that's genuine. Yeah. As in, that many people yeah. help people. Yeah, yeah. Uh, that restores your faith in does. society, it doesn't really it? Does. Yeah. It really, like when I read these messages, okay, they weren't who I was looking for, but I was just like, that's just amazing because there's all these we call them silent heroes. Yeah. You know, all these silent heroes that are are, are helping people in distress, talking them, talking off, talking them off the edges yeah. of bridges, and just going on their way. Like the guy that helped me, it was just. And even though they're not your guy, yeah. I feel like it's more the universe sending you messages yeah. like this isn't shameful, this shouldn't be taboo, absolutely, Th this shouldn't absolutely. be a dirty dark secret. No. They, they like these people care, and there are more people like you out here, and yeah. this is actually more normal than we exactly. realize. Exactly, exactly, yeah, this is it, and and and. I mean, it, it actually took um, two weeks before the guy that I was looking for yeah. came forward. But um, to be honest, I, I, I didn't think that we'd find him. And actually, I kind of, I just I just thought it was impossible. And, and once these 38 people had come forward, I was like, Do you know what? If we don't find him, that's fine. Because, you know, we've we've managed to, you know, let people know that people can get better. Yeah. You know, I, I talked... I now talk to, I go into the NHS and I talk to mental health nurses and they, they only see people when they're at their worst point. Well, they never see the other they rest of it. They never see the yeah. other end and they need to know that, they need yeah. to know that people can get better and what they're doing does help people to get better. People need yeah. to, people need to know that, you know? And so for these people that, that are helping people on the edges of bridges, they need to know that they do have a massive impact and they do help people to turn their lives around, you and know? There are success stories. Are. Yeah. People, people need to know that. But when, I remember when, when they, found him and they sat me down and they were like you know we we think we found your guy i couldn't believe it i really couldn't believe it um, yeah and then we obviously we set up a meeting which was filmed at the reunion 
it was just it was. Were it you was shaking? Just, like, I was. Yeah, I, I, was I, I would so, be. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It's, it's, I was so nervous. Yeah, I was. I don't know. I just. Could, I was just a bundle of a bundle of nerves. Um, but again, there's something about him that's very, you know, he's just very calm. And 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 I was I was a, I was a mess when he walked through the door. Who spoke just, first? He spoke first. Yeah, he spoke first. I was I was so nervous. Yeah. I can't. It was just. It was. It was just amazing. It was amazing. Another surreal moment, I guess. Yeah, it was. And um, just to be able to sit down with him and say thank you. um, I think what surprised me the most is that he said it had had an impact on him. Really? You know, he said, because he did that walk every day to work. Right, right, right. So he was a personal trainer and he worked in a gym in Covent Garden. So he walked across. That explains the muscles. Yeah, yeah, exactly. exactly, But obviously he knows a lot about physical health and maybe he also cared about mental health. Do you know what? So... He worked as a physical, a, a, a PT, a personal trainer, but actually he dealt with a lot of mental health stuff because people would come with their with their baggage. And so he was able to sort of be there for them and listen to them and yeah. sort of help them, not just through the physical, but through the mental. Yeah, to so, offload. Yeah. Exactly. So he had that. And, and I think that helped with me. I think we talk about that a lot. I think that helped with me. Um, and it was, it just, I can't even, it was just amazing to, to be able to sit down and say thank you. And Are you still in touch now? Yeah. Oh, absolutely. So we, you're proper, proper friends. Yeah. So yeah. I mean... It's just I have to pinch myself sometimes. Yeah. Um, just to think where we like when we so we did the London Marathon together last year. Oh my gosh! Oh, I love that. We ran that. the whole way together. And, no um, way! Did you run over that bridge? At, underneath, we ran underneath at March oh twenty-five. I think it was. I love you. You're such a hero. You've oh. do, do you know what you've done for me? Right. You've taken so much. You've reclaimed a situation. You've taken ownership on a situation, and you've just stormed through it. Like that for me is a pro. A proper inspiration. Well, th- no, th- thank you. I mean, um, that is so motivating. Thank you, thank you. I mean, uh, I just feel I like I have to do what I I do. Do you know what I mean? I, I like it's a calling. It's a calling, and I don't have a choice, and I love it. Yeah. I I this is my life, and and you know, some people say to me, "Oh, you're you're, you're brave," and and I just feel like no, I just have because you. I don't know. Yeah, I don't know if it's the same for you, but you don't want other people to suffer. No, no, you know, or go through it in silence. And you, it all feels pointless if they do. You mm, know, you want to make some something good out of it. Absolutely, yeah. absolutely. You just want to help, don't you? You just want to try and make a difference. And, and the thought of you running the London Marathon under the very bridge you were on top of like really excites me. Oh, well, like, it was. That's just such a strong <laughs> message. Like, I just, I can't even, I can't even. You know, we were. It was like the twenty fourth, twenty fifth mile, and we were exhausted. And then uh, we 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 saw the bridge, and I just burst into tears because I was like so emotional. Yeah, oh, and and I just see my parents, so I was just a mess. And um, it just felt, it felt like a sort of three sixty. You know, of just, course, yeah. It was. Um, and also for me, I I I'd not been well. I'd just come out of hospital. Yeah, because so mental my... health is is a long roller coaster, yeah, right? It it's is. Not a... It is. It is. And you know, it was. Uh, I hadn't done any training. Yeah. Because because <laughs> I've been in hospital and I've been unwell, and I wasn't even sure to be honest if I was going to make the marathon. I really wasn't sure. Uh, my favorite saying is uh, it's fall down seven times, stand up eight. Right. Because <laughs> it's like you know, no matter how many times you fall down, no matter. How, I mean, you know, it can be. There was a period uh, about three, four years ago when I, I was in a really bad place again, and I was uh-huh. I was going back into hospital, and then I came out, I went back into hospital, and um, I was like, I'm not, I'm, I'm, I'm not going to get better, and that, that, I mean, that hopelessness when you don't have any hope left, 
Um, but that's when other people need to be there yeah. to hold hold that hope for you. Do you know what I mean? But you've done you've taken this bigger than that because you've just set up um, a charity beyond shame, beyond stigma. Yeah. Which I totally get the title after all we've mm. been talking about now because yeah. I feel like your whole life you were wrongly riddled with guilt mm. about stuff that mm. now we're in 2018, you know, it's totally normal to be gay and yeah. in parts of society totally understood. Yeah, absolutely. Not, not everywhere. Not everywhere, Because no. sadly we don't live in that world yet. No, but no. your life's been riddled with ill-placed guilt and that must have played a big part in, in your journey. The guilt, the guilt and the shame. I mean, it, it, it. For me, that's worse. Yeah, that's been worse than the symptoms. If that makes sense. Yeah. Yeah, it's the guilt and the shame, and for me, again, I. It's about what other people, what other people think of me. That's been the biggest thing throughout my life. You know, what, yeah. What, what other people think of me. Um, Most of our problems in life mm, are ba- are based on our worry of what other people think of us. That's so sad. I think that's so, so like, sad. When mental health, body image, um, academic achievement is always on what you know, what other people think of us. So, yeah, and I'm doing something at the moment which is called um, CFT, which is compassion focused therapy, which is okay. quite new actually to the UK. And basically, it's all about self compassion. You know, I I used to beat myself up like uh you know I, the way that i speak to myself uh is i would never speak to anyone else yeah. like that you know the, the way i was so in a voice yeah 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 and, and and just felt so horrendous about myself the, the loathing the self-loathing just became normality and i was like well this is just me but no you can break out of that and and you can learn to be i, I never thought i could ever this is going to sound really I never thought that I could really sort of love myself. Yeah. Uh, it just seemed impossible in my 20s. Uh-huh. But now, you know. It's a hard thing to say, isn't it? Sorry, I've made no, you emotional, no, haven't no, I? No, it's absolutely fine. But this is okay. This no, is okay. okay. This is normal. <laughs> it's like, normal. And it's, you know, you know what? Yeah, it's, uh, I just, it again. Uh, can you say those words to me that I love myself <laughs> or you can't say that? No, I can. It's still, um, it's hard. It's it's just it's hard, isn't it? It's so hard in the, in this world because uh, the depression and and the low self worth and uh, you know feeling suicidal. I mean, when you get to that point, it's it's well, it's it's just it's, it's, it's no words to describe it. Is there really the the hopelessness? There it? isn't. But now I feel so ho- hopeful because if mm. ten years ago I said to mm. you, "Come on a podcast and talk to me," <laughs> yeah. and you're going to cry, yeah. and, and you'd be like, "Absolutely not!" <laughs> no, absolutely. But we're ten years on, and no, and this is this is. Brilliant! What, the amount of people you're going to help, like this is you're so powerful. Oh, thank you. I, mean, I think I might look up the CFT therapy. Yeah. I think that Honestly, sounds good. Honestly, it's 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 it's, made, it's making a difference. It's really making a difference. Yeah. You know, I can look in the mirror now, and you know, not <laughs> you know, not hate hate what I see, and that is that's huge. that's huge. And yeah, if I can do that, then anyone can. Yeah. You know, you really you can and. Uh, you can change. You can yeah. change. That's the thing. You can. Even when you're, yeah, from, from absolute, absolute rock bottom, you know. And, 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 and again, it needs to be not just you, but the people around you. So, so the people in, in the psychiatric hospitals and, and, the, and the, yeah. the mental health nurses and, and your family and your friends, you know, if they can, they can be around you and be positive. We don't have enough of that positivity, I feel, sometimes. Yeah. Um, 
and it, yeah, I just, it's so powerful, it is, isn't it? it? Can't, I just can't underestimate it. I just think you've given so many great messages to people listening, so much hope to me and and to everyone downloading this. Um, just to finish, anyone that has been listening that wants to know more about what you do, could tell me just a, a few more lines about yeah. um, your charity sure, and how yeah. people can access it. So, so um, we just set up a brand new website just type in beyond shame beyond stigma and essentially we are going to be um providing help and support to young people who are in in schools in colleges and universities we know that three quarters of all mental health issues begin in adolescence mm. and there's just not the the help and the support and the education so we, we're doing that we're, we're going to be a grant giving charity giving so many amazing things happening around the country and they don't have enough money and support so we want to give money to all those amazing things and yeah to go into the schools and the colleges and the universities and to to help from an early age that yeah. early intervention can make such a difference but it's not there at the moment so rather than put a plaster on the cut you want to stop the cut from happening yeah and, absolutely yeah. and if but if it does then there is help and support yeah. there you know yeah. um we of course we want to we want to help prevent but we also want to because uh, there's not that support. People at the moment are waiting an average of six months for, for mental health support. Yeah. In the, in this, well, even more in some places. And by then it's too it's late. It's too late. Yeah. You can't wait. You wouldn't, if you had a heart attack, you would never wait for six yeah. months to have treatment. Do you know what I mean? Like, Absolutely. It's not fair. It's not right. So... Yeah, so that's what we want to do. We want to we want to put things in place from an early age to, to help people. Well, it's excellent. You're doing such a good job with it. And, and we're so lucky to have people like you fighting our corner when, when we are voiceless. So I hope Thank long you. may it continue. Well, thank you for this opportunity. Yeah. Thank you. Thanks for listening to Katie Piper's Extraordinary People. If you haven't already, please subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. Next week, I'm talking to Becky O'Brien, a woman who stunned the audience of Britain's Got Talent in 2015 with her amazing singing voice, as well as her incredible story of leaving an abusive marriage. She's now a domestic violence campaigner and one of the most positive people I know. If you enjoyed this, please help us spread the word. Rate and review the show where you got this or share on socials.